You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. In 2009, the membership organization Docs for Patient Care was founded. People all around the country wanted to participate in the efforts of this group, and they wanted to join, but they were unable to do so unless they were physicians. It's for this reason that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation was created. Now, everyone can join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients, dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. While you're at your computer, please go to www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org and make a tax-deductible donation and join the fight along with us. Thank you. The United States Justice Foundation since 1979 has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Good afternoon, everybody. As usual, a lot to talk about today. And uh, one thing is, Dave and I were talking before the show started, that uh, there's rumors going around Washington, and it sounds like it may be more than rumors, that Justice Ginsburg, with the Supreme Court, is being pressured by Obama to resign. You know, she's had health issues in the past and still does to a certain extent. The reason he wants her to resign is he wants to appoint Eric Holder to be a justice of the United States Supreme Court. And, of course, if the Republicans take the Senate, that'll never happen after the first of the year. So he wants to do it now and get the Democrats in the Senate to confirm somebody who's been held in contempt of Congress for knowingly lying to the Congress about Operation Fast and Furious. And he wants to elevate this man to basically one of the highest positions of power in the country, Supreme Court Justice. Now, Harry Reid, of course, will go along with this. And because of his use of the so-called nuclear option, where it no longer takes 60 senators to bring something to a vote on the floor, he has enough votes, the Democrats have enough votes, to put Eric Holder in there. Now, the question is, though, how will this affect the elections if it happens? I think it would be devastating for the Democrats because I think Eric Holder is held in low esteem by a lot of people in this country. They don't trust him. And if Obama tries to pull this and the Democrats confirm Eric Holder, those who are up for re-election are going to be in trouble, even more trouble than some are. Because the elections right now are, are looking interesting. We have a Republican candidate in Iowa who is holding a pretty good sizable lead over his Democrat opponent who keeps shooting himself in the foot. We have a Republican in Louisiana who has an 11-point lead over Mary Landrieu, 
other races are really too close to call. In North Carolina, the incumbent, Hale, has a slight lead over the Republican challenger. And, uh, of course, in Kansas, we have the problem there of the Tea Party people saying they're going to sit on their hands on Election Day and not go in there and, and vote for the Republican incumbent uh, because they, they don't trust him. Well, that's all good and well said, but if that keeps the Republicans from getting control of the Senate, if Pat Roberts is, is low, loses that seat, Republicans lose that seat and don't take control of the Senate because of that, then we've accomplished nothing with this election. Obama will have control of the Senate. Everything will remain as it is. He will continue to do whatever he wants. And any resolutions or any bills or any laws passed by the House of Representatives will be defeated in the Senate. Actually, they'll never come to vote because Harry Reid decided that he is a, a dictator, that he doesn't have to follow the Constitution, doesn't have to follow the rules of the Senate. And when House bills come to the Senate, he doesn't even let them be heard in the committee, which is illegal, is unconstitutional. Is a violation of Harry Reid's oath of office. But Harry Reid is a criminal. That's the bottom line. The man is part of the criminal conspiracy that makes up this entire Obama administration. He doesn't believe the law applies to him, and unfortunately he's getting by with it. So far, no U.S. senator has stepped forward to file suit to stop Harry Reid from doing what he's doing. Because what he's doing is diluting the voting power of the senators. He is basically denying the American people the right to have their senators vote on important legislation. And this is a deliberate act by Harry Reid. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing is wrong, but he doesn't care. So we're looking at a situation where we might have Eric Holder on the United States Supreme Court. That would be devastating. Ginsburg is a liberal, so it really won't change the makeup of the court as far as liberal versus conservative, but it will mean that a liberal will be appointed, a very staunch liberal, and for our, as far as I'm concerned, a communist, because that's Eric Holder's background indicates that, that, that a communist will be sitting on the United States Supreme Court for an indefinite period, and we don't need that. This country's in enough trouble as far as protecting the Constitution. We have too many people out there who are ignoring the Constitution, and Eric Holder is certainly one of them, and Obama's one of them, and Harry Reid is one of them, and Nancy Pelosi is one of them. So what would happen to these senators? I don't know. Would Mary Landrew vote to confirm Eric Holder when she's already behind in the polls? We don't know but I think it would put a lot of pressure on her. And it might even help the Republicans take control of the Senate. But that doesn't matter, because unless there are enough Democrats who vote against Eric Holder, we will have a very radical, dishonest, corrupt justice of the United States Supreme Court. So if this comes into play, and if Ginsburg resigns, and Obama appoints Eric Holder, you have to contact your senator, Republican or Democrat, and make sure they understand that you are completely in opposition to this man sitting on the Supreme Court. 
You need to get your friends and your relatives to do the same thing. I will put a legislative alert out on my blog at www.michaelconnelly.com and urge people to do this. We'll have to get the word out. This may just be a rumor. I hope it is, but anything is possible with this administration, and that may be why he wanted to get Eric Holder to resign at this point so he could appoint him to the Supreme Court. Of course, Eric Holder is facing impeachment, and that makes things very interesting because he was facing impeachment if he didn't resign because there's a federal judge who has ordered, after several years, that Eric Holder and the Department of Justice turn over all documents and emails relating to Operation Fast and Furious. Now, if you'll recall, Operation Fast and Furious led to the death of Brian Terry, a United States Border Patrol agent. He was killed with one of the guns of uh, Operation Fast and Furious was supplying to the Mexican drug cartels. We have a family we're representing. The United States Justice Foundation has been involved in representing the Reese family out in New Mexico. They're being prosecuted by a corrupt federal prosecutor out there who basically went along with the ATF and went after these people because they refused really to cooperate with the ATF in this gun running. They were forced to do some of it. They didn't like it. So the federal feds went after them, and the primary witness, the judge granted a new trial, which was reversed, unfortunately, by the Court of Appeals. The judge granted them a new trial. They were charged with 34 different counts of violations of federal law. They were, one son was exonerated completely. The wife was convicted of one minor paperwork violation. And the other father and son, after spending 17 months in jail, were con- had been convicted of minor paperwork violations, just a couple of them, no major violations. So the judge ordered a new trial when he found out that the key witness for the feds was a member, an enforcer for one of the major drug cartels in Mexico. He was masquerading as a deputy sheriff. He was actually working for the drug cartels. So the judge ordered a new trial. The prosecutors appealed it, and the liberal uh, court of appeals reversed that and said that the people had to go to trial. Now there's been a motion filed to dismiss the charges completely, and the feds are opposing that. So Operation Fast and Furious is basically still going on. We still have a situation where the feds are covering up. Eric Holder refused to produce documents to the members of the House committee that were looking into this. He basically gave perjured testimony to the committee, and then... When the House committee ordered the documents to be produced, Obama stepped in and used executive privilege to conceal the documents. The federal a federal court has now ruled that he went beyond his powers. He abused his powers. I'm talking about Obama. Abused his powers by invoking executive privilege to block members of the House of Representatives from seeing the documents about Operation Fast and Furious. He's ordered them released. I believe that once they come out, Eric Holder is going to be in deep trouble because we're going to find out that the whole operation was on his orders and the whole operation was, at the very least, a botched operation, at the very worst, a deliberate effort to help the drug cartels in Mexico. So Holder is going to be under the gun anyway. 
but that's not going to stop Obama possibly from appointing him to the United States Supreme Court if there's a vacancy. That's not going to stop Harry Reid from trying to shove his confirmation through prior to the election, or at least prior to uh, the new Senate taking over. So this is, you know, a very dangerous situation, another dangerous situation that Obama's gotten us into. And, of course, we have a very dangerous situation developing right now here in Texas. In uh, in Dallas, they have confirmed the first Ebola in case in the United States. And this was a man, they want to identify the man, uh, somebody apparently who had been in Liberia and traveled back to the U.S. Don't know if he's an American citizen, don't know if he could be an illegal, uh, don't know anything about him except he apparently the last few days before he was put in the hospital was around some school children in school in Texas. They have isolated, they have checked him out, They've isolated the three EMS workers that that took him to the hospital, but we don't know much more than that. CDC is on the ground in Dallas, but here we have Ebola coming in from Western Africa, which is something that we've been fearing. Now, I'm concerned. Now, Ebola is is a disease that's been around a long time and has suddenly flared up in Africa again. But I'm more concerned about the diseases that are apparently being brought in, I say apparently, it's a pretty much known fact, the diseases being brought in by the illegals coming across the border, from the Mexican border coming into the states like Texas, uh, Arizona, New Mexico, and California, and being transported by the federal government to other states. They're not being examined unless they show signs of illness. They're not being examined for diseases, but we have this new disease, this D68 disease, which is a virus which children aged six months through 16 years are contracting. Now, it started out with the CDC downplaying it, but it's gotten worse, and we'll talk more about that after this break. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy. Only on America's web radio. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government as well as those involved in legal cases have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. 
Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Now, this disease that affects children started out as a disease, and it was characterized by the CDC as a, a disease that would make children ill but was not going to be fatal to them. It wouldn't cause any permanent damage. Now it has apparently evolved, and nobody seems to know why. Because some children that are getting the disease are not just coughing and having diarrhea and stomach problems. They are becoming paralyzed. And this is happening in the state of Texas. It's happening all around the country. And this morning they had the first reported death of a child from this disease. That was in Rhode Island. Now, Rhode Island, you say, well, how... How does that tie into the illegals coming across the border? Well, it ties in very simply because of the fact that the illegals coming in across the border, as I pointed out, unless they are visibly ill and request medical treatment, they are not being examined for any diseases they may be bringing in. That includes Ebola. That includes tuberculosis, which some of our Border Patrol agents have now contracted from exposure to these people. And that doesn't include uh, other diseases that are spreading like measles and this sort of thing. Diseases have pretty much been wiped out in this country over the past few years. They're not being examined. They're being put on airplanes or put on buses and transported all around the country. And that includes states like Rhode Island. Every state in the country virtually is getting these so-called children dumped on them by the Obama administration. In many cases, they don't even know the children are being brought into their states. The governors don't. The local authorities don't. The people in the counties where they are being dumped don't know that these people are coming. So let's look at who these refugees are, and that's something that's just happened. Obama has issued through the State Department an executive order for declaring 4,000 of these illegals as refugees. That gives them status to be permanently in the United States for all intents and purposes. So he's granting amnesty. Slowly but surely, he's granting amnesty to these people that are violating our laws becoming here illegally. So-called small children make up the bulk of it. And this is not going to slow down now, but it's going to pick up again now that the weather's improving and they don't have to cross the Texas border in the, the major heat. So we're going to see an influx in the next month to six weeks of more and more people coming in illegally. The story is that most of them are coming from Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras. And so they're they're classified as OTMs, (coughs) excuse me, other than Mexicans. What's not talked about is how many are coming in from places like Yemen, Somalia, Syria, Iraq, Iran. I talked a speech several weeks ago, and I think I mentioned this on last week's show. I talked to somebody who works with the Texas militia, and this is a militia group that has worked on the border for several years now. What they do is they put observers out, and they help the Border Patrol spot people crossing into the United States illegally. This man was telling me that two years ago, 63% of the people that were being apprehended crossing the border were OTMs, other than Mexico. And most of them, they were not, for the most part, coming from Central America. 
They were coming from countries like I just mentioned, terrorist countries where terrorism is sponsored or terrorism is going on. Countries like Somalia and Yemen. They estimate that at that point they were only apprehending one out of every ten of these people. So that meant hundreds were coming in. They were not apprehended. We don't know if they are potential terrorists or not, but many of them, I suspect, are. They probably already formed cells. And now with our wide-open southern border, we have more potential terrorists coming in. We still are having an influx, I suspect, of people from those countries. Plus, we're having the drug cartel members putting their people into this country. We're having other gangs, Central and South American gangs, putting their people into this country. And according to sheriffs along the Texas border, if they apprehend somebody who has gang tattoos and is clearly connected with gangs, and even if they admit that they have killed people, that they murdered people in their own country, they are being ordered, the sheriffs are being ordered not to apprehend them, not to send them back across the border, to let ICE put them on planes or buses and send them wherever they want to go in this country so they can join up with the gangs they belong to. How many of these people are going to be turned into terrorists? We have a wide-open border, and we have the President of the United States just last week going before the United Nations and lecturing other countries of the world about how they have to guard their borders and not allow people connected with ISIS to come back into the country if they're from that country originally and went to fight with ISIS and to make sure that illegals are not coming into their country. He does this with a straight face. He lectures people, leaders of other countries about this, while at the same time maintaining the open border posture here. So we have people coming in across our border who are potential terrorists, who are known criminals, who are carrying infectious diseases, which are spreading throughout our country, and nothing is being done by the President of the United States except to encourage people to come in illegally. We have proof that there are billboards in Spanish and that there are radio ads being run in Mexico telling people that if they have been in this country illegally in the past and if they were deported, they can come back in and they will not be deported again. These are being sponsored by the American government. These are being broadcast in Mexico and possibly in Central American countries. This is deliberate. They're bringing these people in to, number one, destabilize our economy, but primarily they're bringing them in because they want to sign them up to vote, even though they're not eligible to vote. We have numerous investigations going on around the country about people, organizations that are signing up illegals. They're registering them to vote, sometimes in multiple precincts. And they're planning to use them in this upcoming election to try to sway elections, particularly in some of the closer states. Obama's also planning to put some of these people on a fast track to citizenship by encouraging them to enlist in our military. The military, for the first time in our history, is now going to accept illegals. People who have already violated our law are going to be accepted into the military. They're being encouraged to join the military. They're being offered incentives to join the military. 
But look what's happening to our military. We have thousands of officers in the Army being given pink slips, even while they're in combat in places like Afghanistan. They're being given pink slips by the government saying, your services are not going to be required, no longer going to be required. You're kicked out of the Army. Go into the unstable job market, civilian job market, and see if you get a job there. Some of these people are career officers. Most of them are. They have exemplary records. We're trying to find out right now the demographics of these officers, because I suspect that most of them are white, most of them are Christian, not all of them, and they are all loyal to the Constitution. The oath of office that I took as a member of the military, that all members of the military take, to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. If these people are being given the boot, and they have made stringent requirements on people trying, U.S. citizens trying to enlist in the military, a lot of them are being turned down. For some cases, you know, no, no apparent reason at all. I suspect it's probably because of their background. They're probably because they're Christians, probably because they're, they're white, or they're, they're Hispanics who are strong Christian beliefs. They're being turned down. So it's being opened. Americans, again, are losing their jobs in the military to illegals, being encouraged to come in our country illegally and get a fast track to citizenship. There ought to be outrage in our country about this. But most people aren't even talking about it. Most people don't even know about it. It's being hidden from the American people by the left-wing media. And, I, you know, I don't call them the mainstream media anymore. I don't even think they're media. They're, they're propaganda arm for Obama. So we have the illegals coming in here. And, by the way, you hear a lot about, well, Obama is, is going to spend millions of dollars appointing 800 lawyers to represent these children. And many of these so-called children are not really children. They're not small children, like the media is saying. They're teenagers. The classification of children has been changed to people up to 23 years of age are being classified by the feds as children. They're being allowed into this country. They're being transported in this country, and they're being given notices to appear. And those notices to appear, which you can pull off the Internet and fill out and forge a signature on, those notices to appear are all they need to get on an airplane in this country. The TSA has been instructed to allow them to fly with a notice to appear. No other form of identification. TSA has no way of knowing who these people are because all they do is they give a name to ICE when they come into the country. ICE puts that name on a notice to appear and then give, gives them, puts them on an airplane or a bus. The TSA cannot do anything about that. They're not allowed to do anything about that. So we have these people with a notice to appear in court. And the notice to appear in court maybe months down the road, even a couple of years down the road. People that have been given notices to appear in the past only show up, one out of every ten shows up in immigration court. The rest of them are in the wind. They ignore it. But these 800 lawyers that Obama's appointed are apparently not showing up in court either. They're getting paid. They're getting paid on taxpayer money to represent illegals coming in this country 
to provide for them free legal representation, and they're not showing up for court. The immigration judges, I understand, are furious because their backlog now is over 300,000 cases. And they can't hear these cases because they're not allowed to hear them unless there are legal representatives for the illegals, and the legal representatives are not showing up in court. So the hearings are having to be canceled, which pushes it back even further. So right now, my understanding is that on the average, the people who are being given these notices to appear, the date for the court appearance is sometimes three years away which gives them plenty of time to disappear into this country and set themselves up as illegals who are voting, illegals in gangs, even terrorists. Let's take our second break now. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law Case, the Obama Eligibility Cases, the NDAA Illegal Detention Issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. So we have a situation with illegals, and we have a situation where Eric Holder may be appointed to be a Supreme Court justice, and this is a guy who has encouraged people to come into this country illegally. And we have the terrorism that's already taken place in this country. We had a woman beheaded by a Muslim convert who was converted in, in prison. And by the way, the uh, the Muslim the Mons are allowed to circulate through the prisons and convert people to, to Islam and radicalize them, and then they come out and they become terrorists. And this is being encouraged by the Justice Department of Justice, particularly in federal prisons and prisons in places like California. So we have this, this radical who's posting on his Facebook page uh, the fact that he is a, believes in the jihad and uh, believes in, in beheading, and he beheads a woman where he's just been fired from work, 
and he's trying to do a second one. And by the way, you notice that none of the left-wing media, and this includes NBC and MSNBC and CBS, none of them talk about the fact that it was an armed citizen, in fact, a Boy Scout leader who was CFO or CEO of the company, who because he had a concealed weapon was able to stop this man before he killed and beheaded not only another woman but other people. He shot him. They're not talking about that. They don't want you to know about that. They don't want to know people to know that armed citizens can, in fact, prevent crimes, up to and including murder. That's supposed to be kept from us. We're not supposed to be able to talk about that. But the FBI has already classified this investigation as a matter of workplace violence. Not terrorism, not domestic terrorism, workplace violence. Just like the classification that has been made and continues to be made of Major Hadal Hassan, who used his book as an Army psychiatrist to go on a rampage at Fort Hood, Texas, to kill 13 American soldiers and wound 32 more. The Obama administration refused to call that an act of terrorism, even though he was known, had known connections with radical Islam, that he was shouting Allah Akbar as he was killing, shooting down Americans, American servicemen, men and women. Obama would never call this an act of terrorism. He had the Pentagon classify it as workplace violence. So the 32 people who were wounded, who should be entitled to Purple Hearts, because this was, in fact, an act of combat, an act of terrorism, and with those Purple Hearts get additional financial benefits, have not been able to get those benefits because the president refuses, even after the trial, even after this man admitted to doing this as, as an act of jihad, the president has refused to reclassify it. This seems to be a habit with this guy. I mean, after all, the attack on Benghazi, it took him a month to admit that that was an act of terrorism. And that was only when the, the evidence was overwhelming and everybody else was calling it an act of terrorism. He continues to cover up that whole mess. We still don't know where he was that night that day and night when all this was going on. This lasted for 12 hours, the attack on Benghazi. We don't know where he was during any of that time period. We don't know who was in charge. We don't know who gave the order to our military and to security forces to stand down. Now, we've had some of these security team members come forward and totally talk about the fact that they were given a stand-down order by the guy, the head of the CIA in Benghazi. That order had to come from somewhere. They were given a stand-down order, which they ultimately disobeyed, but too late to save the four Americans who were killed. So what's going on here? A cover-up, another cover-up. Americans died. I keep hearing rumors that Valerie Jarrett was given authority by Obama to give orders to the military. Who is Valerie Jarrett? Nobody. She doesn't have any official capacity in the United States government other than an advisor to Obama. She's a known communist. Yet she was in charge of our military that night and in charge of our security. 
And where was the president? I mean, was he high on pot? Was he just sleeping? He didn't want to be bothered with all this? Was he partying somewhere? We don't know. And the so-called left-wing media doesn't seem to care. They continue to parrot the White House's claim that this is just a made-up scandal. Trey Gowdy, who is now heading the select committee to investigate this, Trey Gowdy is, is looking into this, and hopefully he will be able to co- uncover some evidence. But again, the president won't admit to possible terrorism in this country. We know that ISIS is operating in Juarez, Mexico, right across the border from El Paso, Texas. We know that at Fort Bliss, which is the second largest American military base in the country, has been put on high alert due to threats, potential threats against the base. Yet the director of Homeland Security continues to say there's no evidence of any terrorist activity along the road. There's no evidence of anybody from ISIS being in this country, no evidence of anybody from ISIS being along our border. That's not what the local sheriffs are saying. That's not what some of the Border Patrol agents are are saying in private. We know they're there. But Obama continues with his state of denial. Now, I fear... And most people in the intelligence community that I know fear that we are going to be hit very soon. And we're going to be hit hard. It could be random acts of terrorism. It could be lone wolf terrorism, more beheadings, more shooting rampages and things like malls. But we're going to be nailed. Or it could be large-scale attacks. And I've talked about it in the show before how there have been two thefts of nuclear materials in Mexico in the last few months. Now, these were industrial-grade or medical-grade radioactive materials, so they can't be used to make a nuclear bomb, per se, but they can be used to make a dirty bomb, which would kill a lot of Americans and have devastating effects on wherever it was set off, because the area where the radiation extended to would be uninhabitable. Nobody could live there. Nothing could be grown there. It would be basically lost to us. We don't know who has those materials. The Mexicans don't know who has those materials. I suspect whoever stole them has probably either given them or tried or sold them to ISIS or to Al-Qaeda. And by the way, the president continues to say Al-Qaeda doesn't exist. He's given a new name to Al-Qaeda, claiming it's a new group. And, in fact, it's still al-Qaeda. Why? Because his narrative is that he has single-handedly destroyed al-Qaeda. Had bin Laden killed and took out al-Qaeda. Remember before the election, he was talking about how al-Qaeda was on the run and how much damage he had done to them. Well, in fact, al-Qaeda is stronger now than ever before. They're, in fact, competing with ISIS for recruits. And how do they get recruits? Well, they commit acts of terrorism against Americans, against our allies, and here in the United States. And that helps them get recruits, not only in this country, but in other parts of the world. So that we have competing groups out there 
trying to set up acts of terrorism in this country to, first of all, demoralize the American people, to threaten the American people, and to be able to recruit Americans and others to they can radicalize and they can use to do more lone wolf attacks. In fact, ISIS is on its websites and its Twitter accounts is telling Americans who are contacting ISIS and say, we want to come fight for ISIS in Syria. They're saying, no, what we want you to do is kill people in your own country. And, of course, they have a lot of soft targets in this country. Our schools, which are gun-free zones. Our universities, which are gun-free zones. Businesses, which are gun-free zones. Government buildings, which are gun-free zones. Military bases, which are gun-free zones. And we have more and more businesses coming out and saying, we're declaring our businesses, like Chipotle's restaurants, we're declaring our business guns-free zones. If you want to patronize our our restaurant, you cannot come in there without a gun or with a gun. Well, I'm not going to patronize Chipotle. I'm not going to patronize any business that tells me I have to remain unarmed. Because what they're doing is they're broadcasting to the potential terrorists and to criminals and to the crazies out there who might be looking to just kill somebody for whatever distorted reason they have. They're broadcasting these people, come and get us. Come kill my customers. Come kill our students. Come kill the people shopping at our mall. Come kill the people in our military bases. Come kill the people in the, like in the Navy shipyard, the government buildings. They're broadcasting an open invitation. And they're hiding from the American people that in a situation where you did not have a gun-free zone in Oklahoma, a terrorist was stopped in his tracks before he could kill a lot more people. You have people like Bill Gates and Bloomberg donating millions of dollars to get more restrictive gun control legislation passed in Washington State right now. basically requiring background checks on everybody that transfers a firearm. In other words, if I want to give a firearm to one of my kids, I have to have a background check. They have to get a background check, or at least they do. I can't give one to a friend. I can't sell one at a gun show. All of this is part of the whole idea of registering everybody, having a master list of everybody who owns guns in this country. And believe me, they've been compiling that for years. When you go to buy a gun legally at a gun store and you fill out that form that allows you to, allows them to do a background check, that form is supposed to be destroyed within 24 hours. They're not being destroyed. They're being kept on computers at the FBI in Washington, D.C. Let's take our final break now. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at 
www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schurz, as we talk about the topics that doctors talk about amongst themselves, such as Medicare, Obamacare, alternative forms of care, and health information technology. Join us every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. So Bill Gates and Bloomberg and others are out there pushing with this, this draconian bill, which would give the feds more ammunition, give the state of Washington more ammunition to track gun owners, to try to interfere with our Second Amendment rights. And think about Bill Gates. Think about Michael Bloomberg. They don't go anywhere without armed bodyguards. They want to be protected. They want their families to be protected. So they hire armed men to protect them. I'll never forget Rosie O'Donnell a couple of years ago. And now she's back on the view again. What, what a crock. I mean, here's a woman who hates Christians, who hates America, who hates gun owners, who wants to see America turned into a communist state, who thinks jihadists are wonderful people. And she said a couple of years ago, when they asked about the hypocrisy of the fact that she was pushing for everybody in this country to be disarmed, essentially, while she had two armed bodyguards, both with concealed weapon permits, around her at all, all times. And she basically said, well, I'm an important person. So in other words, you and I, ladies and gentlemen, we're not important people. We're not important to Rosie O'Donnell. We're not important to Gates. We're not important to Bloomberg. Certainly not important to Obama or Eric Holder or Joe Biden or Nancy Pelosi or Harry Reid. We're just the unwashed masses. We're the uneducated people that Obama says can't handle our own affairs can't successfully represent ourselves and have to be subjected to a new world order, a world government. He's already setting that up in the United Nations. I mean, he signed the uh, gun control treaty and says he doesn't have to have Senate approval to enforce it. He signed the climate treaty, or is about to sign one, and he says he doesn't have to have the Senate approval to, to enforce it. 
all of this is absolute violation of the Constitution, which requires that any treaty signed by the President of the United States must be approved by two-thirds of the Senate. He knows he can't get two-thirds of the Senate to approve the gun control treaty. So these people are saying, well, we don't really need to. Because what the Constitution really means is that we don't need two-thirds of the Senate to approve it. We can enforce it, and two-thirds of the Senate would then have to come in and block us from enforcing it. Read the Constitution. Ladies and gentlemen, order a copy of my booklet, Our Constitution, today. Go to www.constitution.jigsy.com. Copies are $6. I take each article, each amendment, each section of the Constitution, and I put them the way in there the way they were originally written, and then I put in my comments about them. And I point out several things, one of which is the requirement that two-thirds of the United States Senate has to ratify a treaty. Not only that, but the United States Supreme Court has said in a 1957 opinion that even if a treaty is signed by the president or his representative, ratified by two-thirds of the Senate, it cannot supersede the constitutional rights of the American people. And something that's in my booklet, and people are buying this to give out schools, give out churches, <laughs> excuse me. As a matter of fact, uh, there are substantial discounts for multiple copies. And if you're planning to give these out in schools, let me know, and I'll work with you on even further discounts. But you can go to our Constitution or constitution.jigsy.com to order this. There's something else that's in there that most people don't even know exists, and that is many of us, was older types, had to remember and be able to recite the preamble to the United States Constitution. There is also a preamble to the Bill of Rights, and that's not even included in most textbooks where they, they have the body of the Constitution. Why, I don't know except for the fact that the left-wingers who control our schools don't want people to know about this preamble, because the preamble is pretty straightforward. It basically says that the federal government is being told, by this preamble, by the people who drew up the Constitution, that the Bill of Rights is sacrosanct, that the Bill of Rights, the rights contained in the Bill of Rights, and we're talking about freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of the press, the right to keep and bear arms, the right to due process, the right to a speedy trial, the right to be protected from illegal searches and, and seizures, that these rights are rights that are God-given. They belong to us as our inherent rights. They are not given to us by the federal government. They are not given to us by any government, because if we acknowledge that the federal government or some other government agent, a form of government gave us these rights, then we acknowledge that they can take them away. The preamble to the Bill of Rights says that you can't take them away. To me, that means, as a constitutional scholar, and I agree with Mark Levine on this, the government, the Congress, can't even have an up-and-down vote on amending or, cha or changing the Constitution. And I'm not talking about the two-thirds or three-quarters of the uh, the states that have to ratify, for example, a constitutional amendment proposed by the Senate and the House of Representatives. I'm talking about gun control legislation of any kind. 
anything that inhibits the Second Amendment, right to keep and bear arms, that they cannot do. They can't vote on that because if it changes the right to keep and bear arms or if they vote on something that limits free speech or limits freedom of the press, they're violating the Constitution and they're violating that preamble to the Bill of Rights and the Bill of Rights itself. We cannot have our Congress bypassing the Constitution repeatedly, yet they continue to do so. We cannot cannot have the President of the United States continue to bypass the Constitution repeatedly, yet he continues to do so. On my, my blog, you'll find articles of impeachment, three articles with many subheadings of why this man should be impeached. That has now been turned over to the House Judiciary Committee and will be considered sometime after the election. It's important to stop this man. It's no matter how the election comes out, he is going to continue to issue executive orders and granting more amnesty, executive orders to take away our freedoms, executive orders to destroy our economy, all in violation of the Constitution. So go to my website at www.michaelconnelly.com. It's J-I-G-S-Y, Jigsy. Read my blog. I just last night posted another article on the blog called Anonymous Rebuttal. It talks about how the fact that the work we're doing at the United States Justice Foundation, the work I'm doing personally to try to help veterans maintain their gun rights, is now being attacked by an anonymous blogger on the Michelle Malkin website. Actually, this was occurred over a year ago. But then now has been picked up by the American, American Legion website called Burn Pit. And the guy there has added to it, criticizing me, basically saying that this doesn't exist, that Second Amendment rights of our veterans are not being violated, that the fiduciary program to declare veterans incompetent uh, is, is a fine program, that veterans have to have psychiatric examination or psychological examinations, be examined by a doctor otherwise, to be, have this declaration made. None of these people have talked to me. And I'm a past commander of an American Legion post. I served two terms as commander. I'm a lifetime member of the American Legion. Yet nobody, before they posted this article and criticized me and what we're trying to do and basically said I'm a liar, nobody contacted me to see any of our evidence. None of the writers, the anonymous one or the one of the American Legion, talked to me, asked to see my evidence. They've obviously not talked to the veterans that I'm working with. They haven't talked to the whistleblowers inside the VA I'm working with. They don't have any idea of what's going on out there, yet this is being transmitted among veterans as proving that they don't have anything to worry about. This is a disservice to our veterans. Please go and read that article. Again, it's www.michaelconnelly.jigsy.com. Order copies of my Constitution, of our Constitution, the booklet, and when you go to my website, you can order the copies there. But you can also see uh, about my other books, uh, The Mortarman, about my dad's unit during World War II. That's being um, ordered by many, many people. We're getting up to a 1,000 orders a month, and particularly because it's uh, part of it is about the Battle of the Bulge, and we're coming up on the 7th anniversary, 7th anniversary 
of the Battle of the Bulge, just in a few weeks. Uh, you can also get copies of my novel, Amigaly, A Story of America, which the left hates because it's a patriotic novel and they don't want anybody to be patriotic. They don't want anybody to think that we could actually use our own weapons to fight and defeat an enemy occupying us. Keep the pressure on to get people out to vote so we can take control of the Senate and maintain control of the House in November. This has to be done. We have to elect conservatives, people who believe in the Constitution, who believe in their oath of office at all levels of government. Your local school boards, your city councils, your county governments, your state governments, and particularly the federal government. So thank you for having me on today, and I look forward to talking to you next week. By the way, next week my guest will be to Phyllis Shafley uh, talking about Common Core. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.